What's going on, guys? This is Dave Thomas. And this is Brian Pritz. And we are back for episode two of The Business of Lifting Weights. Uh, so in the first episode, we talked a lot about um, pretty much what we learned from a business operations perspective running a gym. Um, and today we're going to take a little bit of a different shift and we're going to talk about um, our three least favorite pieces of advice that we kind of hear constantly in the fitness industry, I think more so in the functional fitness, strength, and conditioning world. Um, three pieces of advice that just kind of have to stop <laughs> that I think have you know, annoyed us and we've seen it to just be highly ineffective um, and it's kind of the telltale sign of uh, bad coaching, bad gyms, bad trainers um, so that hopefully you're able to kind of leave this episode with how to do things perhaps a little bit better um, than maybe you've been instructed. Hopefully none of this applies to you and you're at a great gym that, that doesn't say these things, but um, yeah, so hopefully you'll get some takeaways to kind of make your training a little bit smarter, a little bit more effective. And while we're talking about three, there are a lot more, uh, for sure. But, uh, today we just get to talk about our favorite three. Yeah, I think, um, yes, there will be a lot more on that end for sure. Um, so the first one that we want to get into is all about diet. Um, diet is just one of those things where it seems to change with like the direction that the wind is blowing. Um, and there's like different trends and different things that are popular. It seems like almost every year, um, like paleo was obviously the most amazing thing ever for a couple of years. I have done paleo before. I've had a very good experience with it. Me too. Um, the, we, we've seen if it fits your macros, the whole flexible, flexible dieting, uh, that's kind of the new nutrition du jour, um, where everybody doing their little different take on it. Um, you and I have been eating that for like six to eight months. Mm-hmm. Um, that's been going well. Um, intermittent fasting was a big thing for a while. Um, Jason Frugia obviously kind of uh, was a big proponent of that. Um, a lot of people experimented. A lot of people do that, live their life that way. Um, you and I have also done that. Loved it. Um, so I'm sure, guys, you're kind of seeing a theme. Uh, there's a lot of shit out there. Uh, and there's a lot of shit out there that works. So... Um, the bad diet advice that we are going to review today is just being highly dogmatic with what people prescribe and preach. Um, I think that is probably the number one way to get yourself into trouble as a nutrition coach is to, um, prescribe the exact same thing for a large group of people. Um, I also want to say I'm totally guilty of that. I've done that before I got caught up and like, this worked for me. Like it's got to fucking work for everybody else, you know? (laughs) Um, and that's like a, you know, that's a big problem that you want to avoid, but, um, making sure that you pretty much just decide what goal you want to do. And then you can back that out and say, which nutrition plan is the best for me? Because we've, we've had a lot of success with a lot of different plans and we've seen them to work for a lot of different people, but it's all about, you know, the right fit for what you're trying to do in the gym. Uh, I think one of the big problems is there are so many different diets out there that have worked for different people. Um, so you have all these different diets out there and you have all these different people that say that they saw great results on it. So you have, you know, let's just say 10 different diets and you have thousands of people saying that this is the best diet out there and that works for them. So it's like you have these consumers that they just don't know where to turn and they don't know what to trust because there's so many different you know, opinions on each of these. Yeah. And uh, the main thing, and it's a theme that we talk about a lot is you get so many people that like it's there's an ulterior motive. It's building like their nutrition business or it's selling a book or it's, you know, it's building, you know, their reputation following through aligning themselves with a nutritional approach. Yeah. 
Um, and I think that's just that that's that's bad news because you have to be flexible for people's different goals. Um, so, you know, just talking about a few of the different ones, um, you know, paleo was massive in the CrossFit community. It mm-hmm. still is. Um, and, you know, I think where paleo really, really works is from a just wellness perspective, you just eating properly to feel better. Like one of the things that I loved about eating paleo was, um, I felt like I was eating really nutrient dense foods. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just felt like I was like well nourished for lack of a better way to put that. Yeah, me too. Big time. Um, and you know, I lost a significant amount of weight on it. I've never been a heavy person. I've always been very thin, but I think I dropped like eight pounds on that. I got really lean on paleo. I think I got down to single digit body fat. Um, so it worked really well for me. I probably, I'd say I want to eat that way for maybe like the better part of three years. Um, so if that's really, really good diet for somebody that wants to focus on weight loss, that wants to focus on overall health, that wants to focus on kind of cleaning up their digestion, I would prescribe the paleo diet to a lot of people on that end. I still think it's a great diet. It's kind of moved away from popularity, but I still think it's a very good way to eat. Where would you say somebody just starting out, you know, trying to learn about nutrition, would paleo be a good place for them to start? Yes. If they're not concerned with how they're performing. Um, as we kind of segue into that, it's a, it's a very good diet to focus on eating healthy foods. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's woefully under, underperforms in trying to fuel people for performance. Yeah, I, I definitely noticed that as well. I mean, workouts were just nowhere near as energetic as I am now. Yeah. And that's just 100% carbohydrate related. Yeah. So, you know, the, 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 you know, the, the claim of the paleo diet is you can fuel yourself on fats, which, you know, I think is definitely, definitely true to an extent as far as living your life and maybe some very light workouts. But I just it's just not possible for those with lofty performance goals mm-hmm. um, for those who do like multiple workouts per day or do super aggressive workouts. Um, if somebody comes in and is very performance focused, then I think that that is absolutely the wrong diet to do. Um, like this is just me speaking purely out of anecdote. Um, but that's where I really started to see paleo diet kind of trail off for me is I think I was eating, you know, three years on it. I wasn't eating a ton of carbohydrates and a lot of like my lifts and my performance really flatlined. Uh, but I think most importantly above all is like something happened to my metabolism over those years. I don't know what it is. I don't have any scientific proof to substantiate this. So take it with a grain of salt, but something happened to my metabolism where I think I was just eating too few of calories for so long. I think I was getting like full on the amount of fats that were in the diet. Yeah. So I, I wasn't necessarily hitting the amount of, um, calories I should be eating a day to sustain my work day and training day. Um, and I think just that metabolic process, you know, my body shut off from the fat burning. It started retaining it. It started being in a much more stressful state than it was where it was just operating functionally and I was losing weight and I was feeling healthy. It started to kind of have a reverse effect and I don't blame the diet for that at all. I blame myself for that. Yeah. I was just misusing it. And that's kind of the whole point is I don't think it's a sustainable diet for people that are training hard, working hard, who straight up need caloric energy to meet the needs of their output. Which is also kind of funny that that is the primary diet of the majority of CrossFit gyms, um, especially when they're kind of, and we'll get into this later, just kind of going all out on every workout. 
you know, they need more carbohydrates to refuel their body. So it's, it's kind of interesting that that's the route that they go. Yeah. And I think it's just, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't know why that is. I think also there, there's, you know, it goes without saying there's obviously a ton of gyms that, that don't do that and that are doing right. it properly, but it's like, it's the very, like just textbook cookie cutter diet to prescribe. And, um, you know, in the spirit of full disclosure, like we, we've done challenges with paleo focus and we've seen amazing results. Yeah. Um, but as far as it just being a long-term diet to sustain anybody that has serious performance goals, it just, it's not going to cut it. Yeah. And I noticed when I was on it for a while, same thing happened with me. Um, I just, I was not eating enough calories. Um, it was really easy to follow and that's what I loved about it. I never really had to spend a lot of time calculating macros or anything like that. It was just, I knew what to eat. I ate, you know, as kind of as much as I want, um, or I wanted, but over time, what happened was I was eating less and less because I was getting full. And then the same thing happened with me where my metabolism was just kind of crashed. Um, and I saw a lot of negative effects from that. So, uh, kind of a very similar experience. Yeah. It's just, it's good to a certain point and then it's not, and you kind of run yourself into the ground on it. That, that was my personal experience with it. And I still drift in and out of eating paleo style. I, I do believe in the, in the nutritional philosophies of it, nutrient dense foods, good fats. I mean, you can't shit on avocados and salmon and, and foods like that. Like those foods are good for you. Yeah. Um, so make no mistake about it. I, I have no issues with that. I think it just comes with just misprescribing it or just telling people that like, this is how you should eat no matter what. Um, I think that diet really gets into trouble with that. And for me, um, I, I hate to say this, but, uh, when I was on there and I was restricting carbohydrates, um, I tended to just binge on cookies yeah, real bad fat. So yeah. Like I remember one morning I had seven cookies for breakfast. Yeah. Uh, just my body needed carbohydrates and I was restricting them and I don't, I blacked out and <laughs> who knows what, who knows what happened. Probably chased it down with a nice cold monster. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, that, and it's kind of a good segue into the, the next kind of nutritional topic of the, it's, if it fits your macros, um, you know, where I think paleo underperforms, I think if it fits your macros performs well. Um, and there, there's just so many different versions of it. flexible dieting. If it fits your macros, for those of you listening who don't know what it is, it's basically like your diet is all based on macronutrients. So you need X amount of carbs, X amount of fats, X amount of proteins. For the most part, it doesn't matter where you get those from. So long as you're hitting the macro numbers, then you're going to be good. Um, with the theory that your body treats all macros the exact same at the end of the day, like all carbs are ultimately going to be digested as glucose in the bloodstream. So it doesn't matter what they look like entering the body. That's kind of like the, the general overview of it. But no matter how it nets out, most often that is a high-carb, high-protein, low-fat diet. So it's kind of like the exact opposite of the paleo diet. Um, and where I have had just a lot of good experiences with that over the last six to eight months, I think, has been in just I feel more full, not, not like fatful. I feel just like <laughs> content nourished. Yeah. Um, you know, I love, yeah, I'm just like face planting in large bowls of rice every day (laughs) and it's amazing. Um, I feel stronger. I feel, um, bigger, um, a little, as far as muscles go, um, weight I have maintained to this point, but 
I'm also eating substantially more food than I've ever eaten. Mm -hmm. So I think there's something to be said for the fact that it's kind of restoking the metabolic processes. It's kind of waking, waking the internal furnace up a little bit and getting things burning. Um, You know, I was just underfed for so long, but you know, as far as, as far as the whole like philosophical, if it fits your macros, like should people be eating pop tarts, like stuff like that? Like, I, I don't know. I just, I, that's not something that I really like personally want to get into. Like at the end of the day, I think it's what works for each individual. Like, I don't think you're going to get cancer and die from eating pop tarts, but nor do I feel comfortable as a health person telling people to eat pop tarts. Mm-hmm. Um, sidebar, I eat pop tarts. So, um, <laughs> what, what flavor? Yeah. Um, the maple brown sugar ones, Good just choice. best flavor ever. <laughs> uh, but no, in all seriousness, like it just, it, it, it kind of all, it's like I said, it all goes, it, it, it all just depends on where the person is at. Like it's a, it's a, it's a roller coaster as far as like where people go, what they want to do. Um, so at one stage you might be best suited for paleo diet at another stage when either you're trying to transition maybe off of that diet, or if you're trying to focus more on performance or if you're just trying to change it up. And I think a good area of this diet is it really shows you what you're eating because mm-hmm. it forces you you know, people who have to track what they eat hate this diet. Yep. People who like the data and they like to track love this diet because they get to be super analytical with it and really kind of see exactly what's going into their body. Um, but, you know, this would uh, – I think this diet would be very good for somebody who is for the first time ever learning about what, what's in foods. Mm-hmm. Um, and – you know, as far as like people often ha- have revelations where they're like, oh, oh my God, I didn't know that like a bowl of oatmeal had a hundred grams of carbs in it. Mm-hmm. Or I didn't know that like the yogurt I was eating had so much sugar. Or I didn't know like egg whites had, or egg yolks like had that much fat in it or something like that. Yeah, you really, really learn a lot. And even me, like I feel like I know a lot about nutrition. I've done a lot of different experiments myself and I am still learning. Um, on this diet, I'm, I'm learning a lot about myself and a lot about tracking and a lot about food. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, I consider myself like a pretty knowledgeable nutrition person, but you know, at the end of the day, like you don't like just really tracking stuff that I've eaten over the last almost year. It's, you know, you, you continue to learn like just what's in food and, um, you continue to kind of like hone in your process on what works for you and what doesn't. And, I think it's a good diet for that, for teaching people for sure. Um, and also it is good because like you can get really specific with the goal. So if somebody were to come in and say, I want to gain 10 pounds of muscle, Mm -hmm. like this is the diet for that. Yeah. It's very hard to arbitrarily make that statement with a paleo diet Yeah. because you know, you need carbs if you're going to gain muscle, you just do. Um, absolutely do. So you're got to eat a fuckload of sweet potatoes if like you're on the paleo diet or, you know, the other, other carbohydrates, which are few and far between that they, um, kind of recommend or allow. So not a great diet if like you're trying to put mass on, but like if, if you, if you have a goal that's based on a number, I want to lose 10 pounds. I want to gain 10 pounds. The flexible dieting, if it fits your macros is great because that's all based on just like thermodynamics. I'm burning X calories. I need to eat Y calories. Yeah, it's, just, it's creating your own equation. Yeah. Um, so it's a much, much different take where paleo is a bit more like abstract focused in principles. Um, if it fits your macros, flexible-based dieting is more scientific. Yep. 
which like the science snobs just love to come out of the woodwork and like throw this in people's faces. Of course. And those are the people that you get that just like love to like shit on the paleo diet or just say everything else is stupid. If it's not science, it doesn't work and all this stuff. And like, yes, science works, but there's just, this is a whole side rant, whole side episode, but I'm not a big studies guy. Um, I use them to make, base my opinions, but what one study proving something, there is another study proving that it's false. And I just, I don't, science guy like doesn't impress me a whole lot. Mm -hmm. Like I want to see results in people. I want to see people try different things and see what works for them. Um, much more of like a hands-on approach for what you're specifically trying to do. What fits your lifestyle? What foods do you like? What are you not going to eat? Like, are you going to eat breakfast? Like, let's have an honest conversation about it. Mm -hmm. Um, and not just jamming, like, this is science. Do it this way. Like, right. let's let's just see see who the person is and see see what works for them and what their goals are. Um, and I'm you know we'll definitely have our nutrition on or excuse me our nutrition coach on down the line to talk more about that our P360 nutrition coach. Um, but it just kind of goes back to substantiate that point that it's it's all about the goal of the person and and kind of where they are along the lines of things. Yeah, and I think the big thing and the big takeaway from this is follow something. Um, what most people do and where they mostly fail is they're just kind of half following this, half following that because they heard their friend talk about this and they read on the internet about that. So they're just kind of all over the place. And I think as long as you are following something specific that has an actual kind of plan and goal, then number one, you may see great results. And if you don't, you at least know that that is not for you and that you can try something else until you kind of slowly eliminate things that don't work and slowly add things that do work. Yeah, that's a great point is like just adhere to something. It yeah. goes back to like the goal of like goal number one, like learn, learn to accomplish. Yeah. Um, so that's a great point. Um, but actually on the flip side of that too is like don't do a million things at once. Yep. Um, you know, we'll have people be like, hey, I'm eating paleo. Like should I do intermittent fasting on top of this or – um, you know, that's another one that I get all the time is like, I'm doing this. Should I add intermittent fasting? Mm -hmm. And that's another diet that you and I have had a lot of experience in. We tested that. I think it was like 2014 yep. to some really, really good body composition results. Yeah. I, uh, honestly, I still use that, um, here and there just, you know, when I feel like getting some quick results and I still see good results on it. Um, I like eating that way because for me, I was doing a, eight hour eating window and a 16 hour fast and it allowed me to skip breakfast. So when I woke up in the morning, I could just go straight to work, not worry about eating breakfast and then start with lunch. So not only was it perfect for my lifestyle, um, I saw great results in, you know, as little as 10 weeks. Yeah. That's a, just a, like exactly what you just said. Like you're not a breakfast person, so you need something that's going to like work around that. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I believe in like at some point, like nudging people to do what they should be doing, but there's just lifestyle factors that like we've settled into at this point in our lives and it's easier not to change them. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I knew intermittent fasting. I got amazing, um, aesthetic results off of that. That's the leanest I've been in the last five years. I had the just total opposite experience that you did though. Cause like <laughs> I was like starving by 2 PM really? like, in just terrible moods from 12 to noon, just ignoring people, having not having to interact with him because I was so starving and I would like sprint to Olive <laughs> Cafe and just start downing scones from there. Um, I got super lean on it, but my performance went way down. Like I'm not 
an inherently really strong person. I have to work really hard to get and maintain my strength. So my strength just got sapped. Like it was gone. And Interesting. It, it came right back. But that's one that like if, if somebody were to come in and say like, these are my lifestyle factors. Like I work here. I don't eat a lot in the morning. Um, not super focused on performance. Like intermittent fasting would be one that I recommend to people. There's also a ton of research out there that supports that for just living longer, incorporating fasts within your life. It's funny that you had that result from it because I, in the morning, I felt like I had so much energy. I feel like I was just flying high. And even in a workout, you know, I'd work out at noon or so and I was just, I was bumping. I had so much energy. I know. And that's what like a lot of people say with the, with the intermittent fasting. So again, it just boils down to like different strokes for different folks. And like, you can't just make blind claims that like, this is the diet to do. This is what you have to be doing. Doesn't matter any of your personal factors or goals. This mm -hmm. works for everybody. Yeah. It's bullshit. So it's just, it's just having a, a basic understanding of like, what's more applicable to people's goals. Um, so I think just the, the better advice than just being dogmatic with a certain philosophy is like first, just really understanding what somebody is trying to do with it. Yeah. Um, so that kind of takes us into the second piece of advice that, you know, we hear all the time is going to exhaustion in your workouts is dumb or, you have to go to exhaustion all the time in your workouts. Like we're now in this area of fitness where like there's no more continuum. It's just opposite ends of it. Um, so like what that kind of looks like and what I mean by that is you have, you know, I hate to make generaliza general generalizations, <laughs> but let's call a spade a spade. You have really bad CrossFit gyms that are just like exhaustion. Plaster yourself to the mat every time. Be face down on your back, make a sweat angel on the floor, have chalk everywhere. There's just like explosion, human mess of like exhaustion. Don't forget to puke. Oh yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. Like you get like <laughs> to write your name on the fucking board for vomiting. Like that's a good thing. But on the flip side of that, you have like the fitness snobs, like the people who train like nine people and they like to pretend that like their methodology is so much better than everything. And like, if you're producing one bead of sweat, like you're going to be working, you're not working smart. Um, and they just say avoid it at all costs, which I also disagree with. Um, just kind of goes into the constant, like people in fitness are too, let me prove like this is my way is right. Um, opposed to like what just makes sense for a, a large population, but both both of those opinions um, I take issue with because I do think that too much exhaustion is very detrimental, mm -hmm. and I think not taking yourself to exhaustion is I don't want to say it's that's detrimental, but I think you, there's a lot of you're leaving a lot on the table by not taking yourself to that level. Absolutely, and I think the point here is like. Not everything we do in the gym has to be so calculated and so this has to produce a given income. Sometimes we can come in and just fucking work hard and sweat our ass off and leave with like the enrichment of what training hard produced. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think a lot of like the, the snobby never take yourself to exhaustion people miss out on is the straight up like – enlightenment of taking yourself to that dark place to that physicality where you're pushing yourself past where you thought you could go. Yeah. And I think, you know, you hear all those quotes, you learn a lot from failure. 
Um, so if you're never taking it anywhere near failure, you're probably not learning a lot about yourself and what your body is capable of doing. Yeah, and there's a difference between being moronic about it and sending right. everybody on the gym three, two, one, go, all, all 20 people taking themselves to just murder, murdering themselves. Um, you know, there's a few guidelines with it. You never want to take beginners there. You never want to take beginners to red line where they are um, exhausting themselves right away or they're lifting too much or they're going too hard too soon. Um, that's going to be very detrimental for them. They're going to just fry the central nervous system. They're going to take days to recover. Of course, there's like the obvious they might get hurt. But what I find more common, I actually don't find injuries in the gym all that common. What I find more common is just inefficient training that produces worse results for people. Um, so it's like when you, when you take these beginners and you have them just go balls out from the get go of their membership, you're pretty much bypassing that timeline where they should be just learning basic endurance, mm -hmm. like go long before you can bust your ass and go hard, like, yep. like learn how to work before you can learn how to work hard type thing. Mm -hmm. Um, so you never want to take beginners to that, but like folks that are on the higher end of the spectrum, like the intermediate to advanced folks with like good movement pattern under their belts. They've worked up to heavy load in their lifts. They're kind of well-rounded. They know how their body works and how their feels. Like I think there's a lot of damn benefit in going to exhaustion. Yeah, absolutely. Now, real quick to go back, you know, if we have any beginners listening, um, what would you classify a beginner as? How do they know when it's okay to start kind of stepping up that that effort level? Honestly, that's I, I find mostly that that's somewhat of an arbitrary answer. Um, everybody's going to come in from a different background, but I would say. It's just got to be very comfortable, confident movement pattern under heavy load. Mm -hmm. So you know, if you can't, if you can't squat a few hundred pounds easily and consistently and repeatedly as a male, you don't need to be squatting for time, or you don't need to be squatting for speed, or in a workout that is tracking as many rounds as you can, mm -hmm. stuff like that. Um, you just have to own the movement pattern. Um, for some people, that, that can be early in the process. For others, it takes a really long time. Yep. I think it's just being able to own that movement pattern, own your breathing, total body control, kinetic awareness under load, really just kind of knowing what's going on. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, yeah, I, I think that's uh, a lot of people are a little bit overzealous in judging their own ability, and they need to scale that back. Um, you know, people go in and they see other people doing more than them and they want to just quickly catch up to those people and, and do the same weight or go at the same pace. And that's just one of the worst things you can do. Don't get me started on that. Cause that's <laughs> definitely like a whole nother podcast, yeah. but you're absolutely right. It's like the, you know, they want to, they want to get to that level so soon. Right. Um, so going to exhaustion for beginners, for people that don't really know what they're doing, that are still kind of in the learning and the maturation process within the gym, that's foolish. You don't want to take people to that level. Um, but like I said, as far as the people who know what they're doing, who are at a somewhat proficient, not somewhat, who are at a very proficient level, somewhat advanced level, um, I do think there's a lot of benefits to that. Number one, you find out where you stand. And that's just not really from like a competitive, I'm going against like gym in my workout. That's more just general. Like you want to know where you stand on your ability to work. One of our coaches, uh, Chris, always like he he's really big on that in his like four to five classes is just like taking yourself to that level of work ethic that maybe you didn't think was possible. Mm -hmm. And like I believe in that wholeheartedly, oh, yeah. wholeheartedly. Like I said this a thousand times. I'll continue to say it, like show me someone who works hard in the gym and I will show you a successful human being. Yeah. Um, I just can think of so many performance 360 members that are some of our like quote higher performers 
and all of these people are successful. And that has nothing to do with like the amount of money that they make and all about just the way that they live their lives, the confidence that they have, you know, if whatever their job is, they're successful in that endeavor because they've learned how to apply that straight up old school Puritan work ethic. To yeah. it. And you mentioned something earlier. It was learn how to work before moving on. So you need to learn how to kind of take yourself to that level um, and be able to push beyond it. And that's where you really learn about yourself. Yeah. And it's like, it's, it really, it, it's, it's easy. Like you ask like what, who's a beginner, who's not like, are you just going to go from the couch to signing up for a marathon and running that day? Like, no, you're going to okay. on-ramp. You're yep. going to run a couple miles next week and then a little bit more, and then you're going to recover, and then you're going to build up to that. Um, so it's the same type of thing in the gym. Like, don't take yourself to the pinnacle of of training before you go very slowly up that mountaintop. Yeah, definitely. But, you know, that that's where I just want to say and really kind of stand up for exhaustion is – um, really the mental side of it. And I, I do believe in that. I do believe it improves you. I do believe it makes you a stronger person. And I do believe it makes you a more capable person. And as far as the physical benefits, um, they're, they're there. So, you know, to pretend like exhaustion only takes away, I just don't believe in. You're going to get improved work capacity, VO2 max. You're going to get work on that. You're going to get improved aerobic capacity or anaerobic capacity, depending on the the duration of the exhaustion, if it's like a three-minute exhaustion, if it's a 30-minute exhaustion, going to that level all out um, is going to have its benefits for people that are proficient to advance. I do believe that. So for those people listening that you know are thinking about their own gym experience and what they do and if they're doing it too much, well, is there any way to classify how often going to kind of max capacity is too much? Again, I, I hate to give vague answers, but I do think it depends. Um it's also important to understand the drawbacks of that. Um, you're going to take, it's going to take a toll on the body. So no matter where you're at along the curve, you're going to, you're looking at at least a full day of recovery after that, depending on the amount that you pushed. Um, nervous system takes a while to recover. That's not an overnight endeavor. If you go on like some crazy max weight type workout, you know, that's going to fry you for a couple of days. If you go on like a 40 minute to 50 minute, like Murph style challenge or something, that's just like insanity amount of reps, high work ethic. Like you're, that's going to take a few days for you to recover. So it's all about understanding what that recovery process is going to do right. based on where you are. Yep. You know, are you a beginner who's trying to learn? What's the point of knocking yourself out for three days? Like yep. That's not going to do anything. You're also probably doing those movements with really bad pattern. There's not a whole lot of benefits. If you're focused on time and exhausting yourself, you're probably doing the movements crappy as a beginner, mm -hmm. which is why you want to reserve that for folks that are proficient to advanced. So I like the whole few times a month. If you know what you're doing, you've been going to the gym a while, you feel really comfortable, you know every movement inside and out, you can perform them in your sleep, your movement pattern is flawless a couple times a month. That's what I do for myself. That's where I find I get benefit out of it, where I'm, I keep myself still fresh. So, you know, that might be, you know, a 20-minute circuit where I'm going as hard as I possibly can on that. Or it might be like, barbell lifts where I take it up near maximal to that 90% amount. Mm -hmm. um, whatever that output is, is like somewhere just a couple of times per month. And the rest of it is just productive submaximal work. And, you know, this will be a entirely different podcast episode on rest and recovery. Um, but for me in the gym, I've noticed that when I, you know, 
even do a you know tier one of one of our workouts where we're going heavy squats or something um you know i do five sets of five let's say uh i need a full day to recover just after that absolutely you know? and you're like you know your front squat is like 360 pounds yeah something like that 360 um your deadlift is what four four fifty five four sixty uh higher than that i think yeah okay well what is it don't be bashful uh, i think four sixty five yeah okay so and you pritz weighs like 175 pounds for those listening so somebody who's super strong who's been at training for probably a decade now of weightlifting and you know what's your experience as far as like how hard you can go, the drawbacks that you feel, kind of your recovery time and things like that. Like you said, it depends on the type of workout. I mean, if I go, let's just say, really hard on squats on Monday, Tuesday I take an entire day off. I don't even try and do anything. Um, Wednesday I'll go in and put in, you know, 70% work ethic. Um, you know, get get some work done but not really try and push myself. And then after that, the next day I usually feel like, capable to push myself decently hard again. Yeah. Um, and I, I won't go anywhere near balls to the wall again after that. But I would say for me personally, like I would feel comfortable doing it once a week. Um, but I don't do it once a week. I, I stick to obviously our programming um, and I do it maybe twice a month and that's kind of perfect for me. Yeah. And you're one of the best athletes in the gym, one of the higher performing members as far as output goes. So I think that that's very helpful for people who are trying to get to that level to listen that like, they might think going as hard as you can is the way to like, like work yourself to a certain level when it's not that it's about like systematically applying it, recovering and, and being smart about it and letting kind of time run its course. And you know, that also goes back to your gym's programming. I mean, obviously um, you know, you're one of the best programmers I've ever seen. So I, <laughs> um, I just, I know to follow the point of the day. So, you know, when we have goals up on the board for the focus of the day, you just follow that. You kind of don't, don't have to worry about that. For example, today um, we were doing something where at no point I was, I felt like I was going to die. Um, <laughs> That's I, good. That's a start. <laughs> um, so I, I got really good work in, um, but I wasn't kind of, pushing that limit today and it was a great workout um so i i definitely think that there's a lot of different factors that go into that yeah and it's like that is just like very very well put all around um is you know i think you've noticed listeners the first two topics we've covered is it all goes back to it depends and like that's something that you know the great strength coach Dan John answers with everything. It depends, and that just makes so much sense to me. There, there's no black and white. So the whole point to any advice that's over the top and that's constantly like jammed down people's throat is, it depends. So it really does depend. As far as we talk about exhaustion, I think it is a mess for beginners. It's a mess for anybody who's trying to learn fitness, and it's a mess for anybody who has no base level of strength. But I think it has wonderful benefits for people that skew more advanced who need to kind of push that threshold to advance. And for most people, it's just going to really improve their confidence and it's just going to make them a harder worker in the rest of their life. And I also think a big thing is for those people, take some ownership in learning about yourself, you know, push yourself here, learn some things here, kind of figure out what is that kind of perfect area for you and how hard to work and how often to work. Um, don't just go to somebody and say, Hey, what should I do for this? Or, you know, how do I burn the most fat? Because 
Don't, a, don't ever ask that people. <laughs> a good coach will tell you that it depends. Um, it depends a lot on a lot of different factors. So for you, you need to learn about yourself in order to uh, develop those goals. Very well said. Just got to take ownership of it. And again, it goes back to like, just learn how to adhere, learn how to accomplish. Um, so going into our third uh, piece of bad advice that we can't stand. Um, this is kind of low hanging fruit. Everybody takes a shot at it, but we would be remiss without taking a shot at it as well as the whole no pain, no gain stuff. I want to take a lot of shots at it. Yeah, it's it's still out there too much, so we're going to fucking smash it here. Um, this, to me, folks, if you are if you do not go to Performance 360 and you're out there somewhere in the country, if you go to a gym that is like no pain, no gain style, I would like you to quit that gym, please. <laughs> like, do me a personal favor and quit that gym. Um, that is just like... It's very antiquated. Um, no pain, no gain can mean a few different things. But before I go into it, I know you're super passionate about this, Pritz. So I'll let you just kind of talk about what just annoys you about those, those that statement. Uh, for me, I, I mean, there's so many different things that I could go with. Um, first of all, if, if you're experiencing pain, let's just t- look at this <laughs> straight up. If you are experiencing pain, that means you're doing something wrong. Or... Or it just means you're at a point where your body needs to stop doing it. Yes, exactly. Um, And so to say no pain, no gain is literally the exact opposite thing of what what somebody should say. Um, And a great example is my fiance, Ashley. She, um, before she ever knew about P360, she uh, tried out a CrossFit gym. Um, I won't say which one. And she had never really done that type of stuff before. And Day one, trial class, uh, without them knowing anything about her, uh, they told her to put 100 pounds on her back and, and squat. Um, and she's like, I can't do that. And they were like, like, what do you mean you can't? There is no can't. Uh, you know, you can do it. Put that weight on and go. And so she put 100 pounds on her back, squatted down, and hurt her back. It's just like, how, like what, what is the point of that? Let's just say she could do it, and she did do it. Like, what is it? What, benefit is that it's just it's such bad advice and and the kind of outcome of that is so detrimental that it, it, it drives me fucking crazy yeah it's just um yeah it's it's you know it, it it's it's the addiction to soreness that is perpetuated by a lot of different gyms and you know fitness culture that if something is not making you sore then it's not effective and i really do get that because i'm going to be super honest like i still feel that way with myself after workout sometimes. Yeah, I get it. There is something to be said for just like feeling sore. It just, it feels like you worked hard. It feels like you're productive. Yeah. And this isn't like a bashing soreness thing. Like I'm not taking this from like a, um, a, a snobby perspective on not to be sore. Um, I was actually just reading a good article today. Damn it. I forget the name of the guy. Um, but it was a good article on like muscle soreness and what it means to hypertrophy getting bigger. And the takeaway was some is good, a ton is bad. So you want to find that sweet spot of productivity where you're like a little bit sore, but you do not want to be debilitated every single time that you come to the gym. Um, And I think that's the biggest takeaway is getting people not to just chase that soreness because really all soreness is, is it's basically just a sign that your body is doing something that's not used to. Um, if you're just totally trashed from a workout, you know, that's another story. Um, when you look at just kind of the, why we get sore, it's pretty much like you drop a, 
a dumbbell on your thumb. It's going to swell up. It's inflammation, so your body can send things to heal it. And that's really what soreness is. It's an inflammatory response to your body where the muscle tissues are experiencing micro tears um, and the inflammation, the soreness is there to kind of heal them and get them better. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not something that you absolutely have to have by any means. If you are constantly sore after every single workout, you're going to go backwards because your body is in a constant state of recovery and trying to heal itself, trying to repair itself. That it's never You're never giving it time to progress. So it's almost like you cut your leg open and one day later there's a little scab and you rip it off and every day you're just ripping the scab off i love ripping scabs off. yeah i don't get that that's so <laughs> gross like i watch oh i just i can't do that um but the point is like you can't trash your body and not give it time to recover always kind of chasing that soreness and chasing like that that feeling that like you just wrecked yourself yeah it's funny you hear people like after a workout they're like oh my god like i'm so sore i can't move my arms it's like <laughs> well you kind of need your arms like that's that's not a good thing yeah um and you know strength is 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 much more of a neuromuscular phenomenon than it is a muscle one um i'm definitely not of course like work on the soft tissue development on growing the soft tissue that's going to add to your strength gains for sure but you know if you're always, 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 always sore every single time you train strength, you're definitely doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. That is completely not necessary, and it's likely going to regress you before it progresses you if it's that constant state of soreness. Um, and it's just like as far as movement goes, like the, the no pain, no gain, um, like that, like you're saying, if something <laughs> hurts, you need to stop doing it. Like the imagery of like, you know, a coach in like a member's face, like yelling, keep going when they're like doing a hundred, you know, of something, or they're doing just like a massive amount of say, like, you know, goblet squats or overhead kettlebell swings. And like, they're doing them improperly. Like if you're experiencing pain while doing that, or you're tired or you're exhausted and the idea to keep going is cause like no pain, no gain, like suffer through it. Like nobody, <laughs> nobody's going to get better on that. And it's just, I don't know. It's antiquated. It needs to go. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. When I've noticed for myself in the gym, when I've taken myself too far, um, and I'm extremely sore, then, you know, essentially my performance goes down. Yeah. Um, you can just like feel it worsening every time you show up. Yeah. You, you see a lot of people that I think hit plateaus and it's like, they try and go harder and harder every time. And it's like that to make up for the plateau. Exactly. That's that's what's causing it, but that's what's causing it. So if you take more rest and you kind of back off of it, then you'll allow yourself to, you know, kind of re hit those gains. Yeah. And it's like, when you think about it, there's basically like two different types of fatigue on the body. There's peripheral fatigue, which is muscle soreness, like stuff you feel acutely from like the next day in a workout. And then there's central fatigue and that tends to be more chronic. That's basically from, too much constant soreness, too much constantly beating yourself into the ground, too much, like like we talked about in the previous point, like too much exhausted, exhaustion-focused workouts mm-hmm. where your body just starts to say, like, stop fucking doing this to me. And if you're not going to stop doing this to me, I'm going to make you stop by <laughs> um, keeping you tired all day, by interrupting your sleep. Um, a lot of different things are going to happen to your body when you hit that state of central fatigue. You're going to start to see just mental excitement for your training go down. You're just constantly sore all over. You start to feel it in your joints. You start to feel it in areas where you really shouldn't. 
Uh, your appetite goes down. You're not as hungry. You're eating less calories per day because of the lower appetite. Now you're kind of undernourished for your workouts. So you might start to see metabolic damages from that. Start to hang on to belly fat, areas that you're used to burning fat where you're not really anymore. Um, GH level, growth hormone levels can kind of get out of control. They can promote weight gain. It's really just bad news. Um, and that is what like every day showing up to the gym with like all your gear on, broed out, let's <laughs> pop the shirt off during the warm up and let's go as hard as we fucking can, bro. Every workout, like no pain, no gain, bro. That's what, that's what you're going to be staring at. So <laughs> I'd like you to focus on not no pain, no gain, just being a little smarter with it. Like it's not to say you need to never be sore. It's not to say you never need to work hard, but you absolutely don't need to be doing that every day. And you need to focus more on like productivity of that workout. What is this workout's goal? This workout's goal is to improve your back squat. Improve your back squat. It doesn't need it doesn't mean you need to be hitting a PR. It just means get stronger in the back squat. If your goal is to go hard on a five by two hundred row interval, go hard on that. It's just five by two hundred meters. There's no need to go hard elsewhere with it. Just focus on like the specific goal of that day within the means of what the desired outcome of that workout should be. Um, ask your coach, ask, ask the coach running your workout. Like, Hey, what am I supposed to be doing in this workout? Like if they don't really like have an answer or it's like, uh, you know, going all out, like that's not an answer. Nope. So you need to focus on the specific task of the workout, get better on it on just a daily approach and lose the mentality of like, I have to be fucking destroyed after every workout from a soreness perspective, I have to be sore all over for this to be productive. Otherwise, like it didn't work or I don't feel it. So what do I do if my goal is to get 50 likes on my Instagram post of me doing my jerk? Oh, yeah. That's, um, you know, you need to work for three months to get that post. You need to try to PR 15 times. You need okay. to ask the person you're lifting with to, to video you. Yeah. They, they don't want to do that. Um, <laughs> Preferably, you should take your shirt off prior to the filming. Okay. And um, if you're a girl doing it, you should angle the camera, like, bottom left so it's a picture <laughs> of your ass when really you're doing a jerk. Yeah. Um, so those are all things you would want to do to accomplish that. Thanks. Noted. Yeah. So anyways, uh, that's a wrap, guys. We're almost at one hour here. But um, so kind of those are three things that, you know, we think got to go in the fitness industry. And that's number one, dogmatic nutrition coaching. You got to be flexible for goals and you got to have well-rounded knowledge to be able to apply it for a diverse group of people. Um, number two, you have to make sure that you are appropriate in how you train for exhaustion. Um, it's not for everybody, but it is for some people. So make sure you know where you are before you start doing that. And number three, uh, lose the no pain, no gain. I have to be sore all over for this workout to be productive. Uh, what we would love to hear from you guys is kind of what your favorite of this was, um, what you can relate to. Also, like what are maybe some of yours um, least favorite advice that you've heard before or stuff that's kind of gotten you in trouble. Um, as always, please give us feedback. Go to the website, which is Brian. www. I called you Brian. Yeah, that was weird. Sorry, one more time. Uh, call me Pritz first. Yeah, Pritz. What's the website? Uh, www.perform-360.com slash the business of lifting weights. And what should they do there? Uh, number one, well, we're giving away um, a $500 uh, gift bag of training supplies. So basically a gym bag, shoes, you know, all kinds of fun stuff. Um, so register there. Like us on iTunes. 
uh, just enter your info and you will be registered for that contest. Awesome. So yeah, make sure you guys are signing up, please. It's a personal request. We would really appreciate it. Subscribe to it. Uh, share it as always. If you guys like this, please share it on social media, however you like to share things. Um, help us get out there. Help us continue to drive content for the show. Um, so if you guys have topics that you think we should talk about or that you would want to learn about, please let us know. This is largely going to be driven by the audience. Um, so continue to um, help us with it and help us get better at it. In the meantime, thank you very much for listening. Um, listen to our next episode, which is going to be um, three things we've learned in the gym from a training perspective. Um, so three things we think anybody can apply to get better at their training. Um, be sure to go back and listen to our first episode as well, which was three things we've learned from an operations perspective owning a gym. So if you're a business owner, if you're a gym owner, if you're a coach, Go back, listen to that first episode. It's got a lot of good stuff on how to run a gym, how to run classes, things like that. We've learned a lot of three, uh, a lot of things in threes, apparently. Yes, so that's what you're supposed to do, though. You're supposed to like title things with numbers, three things, this. Oh uh, yeah, cool. So we're doing that. <laughs> um, all right, guys. Thank you. We'll see you next time. See you guys.